Good afternoon, my name is Chris Major and welcome to the uh, second edition of the Major Mondays webinar series. Uh, today we're going to be discussing the verbal threshold in New Jersey. Just a reminder that this is a live question and answer webinar, so please submit your questions using the dialog box displayed on your screen uh, and at the end we'll go over them. So uh, we're gonna go over a background of what exactly the verbal threshold is. as well. So the background of the verbal threshold, it applies in motor vehicle accident cases in the state of New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey first adopted no-fault coverage and no-fault act in 1972, uh, but the current iteration of the verbal threshold arises from New Jersey's Automobile Insurance Cost Reduction Act came about in 1998. Uh, the statute is uh, 39,6a and all the subsections therein. For the purposes of this webinar, we'll just call it ACRA to avoid repeating it every time. And uh, the goal of ACRA, pretty simple, reduce the cost of automobile insurance, as said in the title, uh, prevent overtreatment, and to provide a little docket relief to the courts by keeping some of these lesser value claims uh, that are covered by no fault out of the court system. Uh, now, preventing overtreatment was actually one of the biggest goals of enacting ACRA because it used to be to sustain a suit for non-economic damages. Uh, petitioners and plaintiffs would beef up their treatment just to be able to proceed through the court system. So hopefully ACRA reduces a little bit of that uh, overtreatment and uh, somewhat false or duplicative or repetitive medicals. <clears throat> so what exactly is the verbal threshold? So in New Jersey, there are two options essentially for non-commercial auto insurance, and they're set forth in subsection eight of ACRA. There's the limitation on lawsuit option. That is the verbal threshold. The two are synonymous. Uh, and then there's the no limitation on lawsuit option. So the limitation on lawsuit option and the verbal threshold uh, certainly result in cheaper premiums, but with a big, big catch. Uh, the injured party, the insured, the petitioner, the plaintiff, whatever we would like to call them, uh, they cannot sue for non-economic damages. And we'll go into that in a little bit, but non-economic damages think essentially pain and suffering. Uh, the insured's own policy restricts their right to sue. And this is rather interesting because uh, you would think, just common sense, that the person who is responsible for the accident, the tortfeasor, the person who's gonna be paying the settlement or judgment wouldn't their insurance and their coverage be the one that matters? And the answer is actually no. Uh, no fault and pit coverage should be enough from the person's own policy to keep this out of the court system is the idea. So their own policy restricts their ability to sue. Uh, so the lower pre premiums are frequently advertised, uh, commercials, billboards, everywhere. Uh, but the effects of those lower premiums are not. It is something of a uh, of a secret or a dirty word, if you will, if you will, among automobile carriers in New Jersey. Uh, they will not advertise usually that there's a no limitation on lawsuit option. Uh, it requires a bit of sophistication on the part of the insured to actually ask for it, or else you're going to get the default, which is the verbal threshold. Sure person who has a basic policy, we'll go into what a basic policy is in a moment, uh, or who specifically elects the verbal threshold and their immediate resident family, so household members that are related, assuming they themselves are not insured. 
person who fails to elect any coverage at all defaults to the verbal threshold. Person required to have mandatory PIP coverage but doesn't, subject to the verbal threshold. Uh, this is an interesting one. Out-of-state residents injured in New Jersey if the carrier is authorized to do business in New Jersey. And this comes from the so-called Deemer statute. Uh, this is New Jersey statute 17-28, uh, 17 colon 28-1.4. Uh, and a New Jersey resident subject to one of the above categories injured outside the state of New Jersey is still subject or a pedestrian injured by an automobile and subject to one of the above categories is also subject to the verbal threshold. Uh, who's outside of it? A person who elects the zero or no tort threshold option under their standard policy, no limitation on lawsuit option. Uh, resident spouse or child under one of those policies. A permissive PIP user. This is a passenger or non-immediate family member who is not required to maintain PIP coverage. Uh, an injury caused by a vehicle not covered by PIP, uh, usually commercial. Um, but bus passengers, it's important to note for these commercial accidents where the verbal threshold might not apply, uh, bus passengers such as on a New Jersey transit bus, days. So that's something to just be cognizant of, even though the verbal threshold is not going to apply uh, in commercial cases where there's a commercial vehicle that causes the injury. Uh, and out-of-state residents with a carrier that is not authorized to do business in New Jersey. This is sort of the inverse of the one under the yes category. <clears throat> so I uh, mentioned earlier basic and standard policies. So a basic policy is New Jersey's mandatory minimum coverage. This is just the bare minimum of what someone is required to have uh, doesn't really cover much. It's kind of a kind of a bit of a uh, nightmare or a disconcerting option for the person uh, that got hit. Uh, bodily injury is not covered, but ten thousand dollars is available as an option. Property damage caused by the insured five thousand dollars per accident. Uh, PIP benefits fifteen thousand dollars per person per accident. Uh, and up to $250,000 for certain injuries. And we're talking critical care. We're talking someone that goes into the hospital and requires an emergency fusion or brain surgery or something like that. And they're on continued support until they're released from critical care. That's gonna be covered up to 250,000. Collision is an option, is an option. Comprehensive is an option. Uh, underinsured or uninsured motorist benefits are not. Uh, they are just not part of the basic policy. Standard policy, uh, bodily injury as low as $15,000 per person or $30,000 per accident, up to $250,000 uh, per person or $500,000 per accident. Property damage as low as $5,000 per accident, up to $100,000 or more. Uh, PIP, as low as $15,000 per person or accident, up to $250,000 or more, uh, or up to $250,000 for certain injuries, Again, this is the critical care that we just discussed. UM slash UIM benefits, underinsured, uninsured motorist, available up to the amount selected for your liability coverage. Collision is optional, comprehensive is optional. <clears throat> so, mentioned earlier that a person subject to the verbal threshold cannot sue for non-economic damages. So, when can they sue? When they have a qualifying injury. Uh, when you have a qualifying injury, you're permitted to sustain the suit. We'll get into how that's proved in a little bit. 
there are six specifically enumerated qualifying injuries. We have death, dismemberment, significant disfigurement or scarring, uh, displaced fractures, loss of a fetus, or a permanent injury of some kind. And as I'm sure you can imagine, this is the catch-all category. This one is the most vague, and of course it is therefore the most hotly litigated. <clears throat> so permanent injury, the last catch-all category that I discussed. Permanent injury must be within a reasonable degree of medical probability. And as it's defined in the statute for a permanent injury, it's when a body part or organ or both has not healed to function normally and will not heal to function normally with further medical treatment. This is where many cases are won and lost in the state of New Jersey, especially with soft tissue injuries. Uh, disc bulge is pretty much not going to be enough for a suit if the verbal threshold applies. Disc herniations frequently are not. It really depends on the severity. So uh, this permanent injury category is still the most wishy-washy of all of them, but it's not easy to prove. <clears throat> so how, what is the effect on litigation of the verbal threshold? So let's keep in mind that only bar suits for non-economic damages, typically pain and suffering. So what happens if your PIP, we're talking medical treatment or wage loss replacement, uh, what happens if your PIP is inadequate to cover your damages? The insured can still sue for economic damages. This is lost wages, medical costs, uninsured property damage. That is not barred by the verbal threshold. So uh, the burden of proof that I mentioned earlier in these verbal threshold cases, once the answer is filed, the plaintiff must, within 60 days of the answer, and this is prescribed by statute, provide a certification from a physician under penalty of perjury that the injury qualifies under one of those uh, six specific enumerated injuries. Uh, the certification must be based on and refer to objective clinical evidence. So you're talking MRIs, X-rays, CTs, <clears throat> formal exams, something of that nature that the physician can actually reference. Uh, the verbal threshold for carriers, automobile carriers, it's both an affirmative defense and a basis for summary judgment motions. In motor vehicle accident cases in New Jersey, you'll see the verbal threshold raised as one of the standard affirmative defenses almost every time, and uh, failure to actually prove to have one of those six specifically enumerated injuries is normally what is a death knell for the case. Uh, so New Jersey model uh, civil jury charge 5.33 talks about the standard that a jury would be asked to review. Uh, proof that the case qualifies for non-economic damages or pierces the verbal threshold, so to speak, must be proven by preponderance of the evidence, uh, more likely than not, essentially. Uh, and the permanent injury portion of it, let's say we fall into that catch-all category of number six, the permanent injury portion has to be proven via objective, credible medical evidence. <clears throat> so, as we did with the no fault and loss transfer webinar in New York, uh, we always like to discuss the overlap with workers' compensation and mix in a little bit of workers' compensation flavor into these civil litigation webinars. Uh, as you know, workers' comp defense is uh, sort of our bread and butter here at LOAS, so I would be remiss if I didn't touch on this. <clears throat> so same thing as in New York, workers' compensation is primary to PIP under the collateral source rule. This is under ACRA subsection 6. And obviously, if the petitioner's right to sue is barred, uh, our section 40 right of reimbursement may likewise be affected. 
So for the longest time, uh, Continental Insurance Company versus McClelland, a 1996 appellate division case, was pretty much the authority on the issue. And it essentially says that the plaintiff's entitlement to workers' compensation benefits does not affect the defendant's liability. In other words, you know, the defendant should not be subject to a windfall uh, on, the, on the part of the plaintiff simply because the plaintiff was injured in the course of their employment. If the plaintiff's suit is barred, uh, then the workers' comp rights should be barred as well. And it shouldn't matter that the person's injury just so happened to occur while they were working. Uh, so the carrier is subject to the verbal threshold as well under McClelland, and they cannot recover in cases that would otherwise have been paid by PIP. <clears throat> so as I mentioned, McClelland was the standard for the longest time. There's a case that makes the point even, uh, even more poignantly in 2003. It's a superior court decision. Uh, it's a court of general jurisdiction, pretty low on the totem pole uh, in the state of New Jersey, but it, it's still a decision, still a good law. Uh, Patterson versus Adventure Trail says a third party, so we're talking in the th subrogation context, is only liable to the extent they would have been liable to the employee. Workers' comp subrogation is only possible when the verbal threshold is met and the ACRA bar stands. <clears throat> so essentially saying not only would your Section 40 lien rights be impacted, but your Section 40 subrogation rights are impacted. And this is from 2003. So is there any hope at all for workers' compensation carriers? And the answer is a resounding yes. Recent developments in the law have been very, very carrier-friendly. And uh, some of these have actually been discussed in uh, the Third Friday podcasts with Mr. Christian Cisan. Uh, one of them we're going to get to is one of my absolute favorite cases in any jurisdiction. It's the last one we're going to discuss, but let's go over how we got there first. So... <clears throat> Talmadge versus Byrne is the first sign that the tide is sort of changing. Uh, it's an appellate division decision from 2016. It's good law, appellate division, just shy of the Supreme Court. So, uh, you know, it's pretty good as far as authority is concerned. Workers' compensation lien, including medical expenses paid, is required to be satisfied from the third-party recovery. Uh, so what the case goes into in more detail is that even if the plaintiff is not made whole at the end of the day, uh, ACRA does not really affect the carrier's rights under the Workers' Compensation Act to be reimbursed for medical expenses that they had paid. So this is the first case that says ACRA is something separate and distinct from the Workers' Compensation Act. <clears throat> Lambert versus Travelers Indemnity Company of America, another appellate division decision, this one from 2016 as well. Uh, they go into it a little more in depth. Because workers' compensation is primary to PIP, uh, remember the collateral source rule we discussed earlier, and because PIP carriers are relieved from the obligation to pay medical expenses thanks to that collateral source rule, any recovery from a tortfeasor is subject to a workers' compensation lien. Uh, it's important to note that they didn't really go into meeting the no-fault verbal threshold uh, before this right arises in the case, so that was sort of left open a little bit. Um, but it does say that because a workers' comp because workers' compensation is primarily PIP, and because PIP carriers do not have to pay medical expenses thanks to that, uh, recovery from the tortfeasor is still subject to the Section 40 lien. Uh, so now we get to my favorite and the most recent of these. <clears throat> 
New Jersey Transit Corp. S. Overgy of Mercogliano versus Sanchez. This is an appellate division decision from 2018. It is published. It is good law. Uh, in subrogation actions, the carrier's rights are governed, governed by the Workers' Compensation Act, not ACRA. So what this case stands for as a proposition is that the carrier is entitled to reimbursement from tortfeasors, even though the employee themselves would not be able, not be able to recover medical expenses and wage loss from his own automobile insurer or non-economic damages from the tortfeasors. So what this is saying essentially is that workers' comp is primary to PIP, <clears throat> so the petitioner has no right of recovery under PIP benefits from his own, uh, his own automobile liability insurance carrier. Uh, and he doesn't meet the verbal threshold, so he doesn't have a suit in civil court for non-economic damages, but what Merc uh, New Jersey Transit Corp, ASO Mercurgliano versus Sanchez says, so the workers' compensation carrier does. Uh, we're not subject to the verbal threshold. Our right of subrogation is separate and distinct under the Workers' Compensation Act from ACRA in its entirety. Uh, and as I mentioned on the screen, you got to ask, is this even still su subrogation at this point? I mean, this is literally affording the workers' compensation carrier a greater right to suit than the petitioner or injured worker themselves still have. I, I mean, the case is still good law. It has not been overturned by the Supreme Court, but it is a, uh, make no mistake, it is a weapon for carriers to use in recovering where otherwise you would think maybe there would be no recovery. <clears throat> so how we can use the verbal threshold as defense attorneys. So in motor vehicle accident claims, as we mentioned, this is something we can invoke, invoke as an affirmative defense right out of the gate. We can put the plaintiff to his proofs immediately by filing our answer. If they don't put up that proof, that's a motion for summary judgment immediately. Uh, we can get rid of cases early and often based on a failure to sufficiently prove that the case pierces the verbal threshold. In workers' compensation claims, uh, our experienced attorneys leverage, leverage their knowledge of the verbal threshold and its interplay with subrogation into successful recoveries for carriers. So these are the recent cases I've been talking about from 2016, Talmadge and uh, Lambert, and then from 2018, Mercogliano versus Sanchez. This is something that an experienced New Jersey workers' compensation attorney would be aware of, put on the table as an option, and use to help you secure a greater recovery. <clears throat> so as mentioned before, this is a live question and answer webinar. So let's see if we have any questions pending. And I do not see any questions. So with that, we're going to uh, end this until next month for the Major Mondays webinar series. Again, this is Chris Major with Lois Law Firm signing off and reminding you, as Christian Seasun says, to defend from day one. <clears throat>